0: Well, we continue to take a look at uh, different parts of the university that you might not normally um, think about or know about. And I'm delighted to welcome today a gentleman who is the professor of history. Um, he's actually head of our graduate school, which we might touch on, and also heads up basically the, uh, the, 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 the the research center that handles and deals with and looks into everything to do with history. So a big welcome to Matthew McCormack. Matthew, thank you for coming on the show. and. Um, telling us uh, about all the different things. But uh, you've got several different hats there, professor of history and head of the graduate school. So obviously you're working very hard.
1: It keeps me very busy, Adrian. Yes. Yeah, I divide my time equally between the two. So I spend half my time uh, in history. So I teach history. I'm particularly interested in 18th century history in particular. Uh, I do historical research and um, look after students and things like that. And the other half of my time, uh, I'm involved in the graduate school, which looks after all the PhD students across the university who are doing research of their own.
0: And that that role there is what more of a a academic role or a pastoral role, because obviously they are associated with the different faculties, if they're studying business or if they're studying, you know, arts or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's uh, we oversee them and we provide uh, kind of pastoral support. Um, We also provide them with some of their training because uh, graduate students you know, need quite a lot of development in order to work at that high level so we provide a lot of the, the kind of the central training workshops around methods around careers around you know getting that massive thesis written all that kind of stuff mm. so yeah the graduate school's there to support students from right across the university.
0: Okay so from the half of your time that is Professor of History and this, um, this research center then between you know, your teaching, what, what, what extra benefit does it have? Um, does it give you by having a research center that looks and studies history?
1: Well, all the historians at Northampton are active researchers. So uh, if you want to be a historian, uh, what you do is you do research and you write about it. You know, we publish books and articles. So all the historians at Northampton have got PhDs. Um, We've all published kind of books and articles and we're all active researchers. And what the History Research Centre does is it brings us all together and it kind of accounts for our research activity, the amount of time that we spend uh, doing research into the past.
0: And how how many of you in the department?
1: There are eight of us in the uh, the, kind of the history bit of uh, the culture subject area. So there's eight of us involved in delivering the degree, but there's a couple of other historians as well around the university that've got other roles. So there's Dan Jones, for example, who works In the uh, university archive, which we'll talk about in a second, and uh, Kathy Smith, who's the uh, the dean of research, Um, she's also a historian by training, so she's uh, one of our friends. Okay.
0: Now, what are the areas of specialism, and which what is you said yours is 18th century? So how you know what are your colleagues specialising in in terms of looking backwards?
1: Well, we do all sorts of things from uh, the medieval period right up to the present day. So um, we kind of divide more or less down the middle. Um, Half of us are interested in kind of social history. So we're interested in the the lives of ordinary people and social and cultural life, uh, most of us focusing on Britain. And that's right from the medieval right up to the 20th century. And um, the other half of us, focus more on issues around war and security and extremism and things like that and that's much more focused on modern history and the 20th century so there's kind of two main uh, areas to our specialisms okay so period
0: history and then issues that's a really yeah i I like that uh, distinction there um so what's what's the relevance of history
1: then matthew why look backwards Well, that's a big question. Uh, I mean, historians will always tell you that history is very relevant, but uh, I mean, history is partly a matter of learning from the past. That's the kind of traditional justification for studying history. But I think it does more than that. I think if you want to be a good citizen, if you, you need to be well informed about the world that you live in, you need to understand the world you live in. And also when you study history, you learn lots of skills. So you learn how to research things, how to make sense of kind of messy and contradictory information. You learn how to articulate an argument, how to present your findings in a persuasive way. So I think doing history provides lots of important skills that are relevant in the world.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking it up now. Irish statesman Edmund Burke is often misquoted as having said, those who don't know history are destined to repeat it. Spanish philosopher George Santayana is credited with the aphorism. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And apparently um, Winston Churchill also um, said something along these lines. So I think there are lessons in the past, aren't there? And and there are cycles. Do you think that as a society, we do um, make the mistake of repeating the past and don't learn from history?
1: Well, it's certainly true that, um, you know, lots of terrible things have happened in the past and often we don't kind of learn the lessons of them. I mean, a very good example is my uh, colleague, Paul Jackson, who works on the history of far right extremism and the history of the Holocaust. And um, of course, you know, when we think about the history of the Holocaust, um, the words never again are often words that are in the forefront of our mind but of course in the period after the second world war you know there have been genocides right across the world so while it's important to keep these kind of things in the forefront of our mind it doesn't mean that humanity necessarily has learned from the mistakes that it has made.
0: Yeah one of the things that I've often thought about when we were you know Blair and Cameron and and sort of going to war I did wonder is there a I don't know, is it called the Kondratiev wave, 60 years? But is it two generations? So those leaders that we have now did not grow up, haven't had no direct experience of, of war time, certainly in the UK. So, you know, uh, do we see leaders, because they don't have that, uh, if you will, institutional or corporate memory, they come back and all of a sudden, oh, going to war, yeah, it's just moving pieces on the, on the risk board sort of thing. Is, is, there a, is there a sort of cycle of two generations or 50, 60 years that perhaps we are, Seeing this repetition take place,
1: no, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, after the um, the Second World War, you know, there was a generation of politicians who had served and and had that experience, and perhaps had um, you know, had had that kind of attitude as well. So, yeah, it's I think looking at the the kind of the experiences and the, and the generation of the political class is often a, an interesting way of thinking about their motives.
0: Mm, very much so, and, and yeah, they're they're understanding of how bad and horrible war actually is, right? Um, So you've mentioned a few things that you're studying, a lot of projects, books, so the output then is what? Publications of one description or another, yeah?
1: Yeah, that's often what historians do, I mean classically we write a book, you know, a book can take take five, ten years to write, these are kind of big big items but actually we do a great deal more than that as well um so and several of my colleagues regularly appear on on, in the media um so Paul Jackson often appears on the news to talk about issues around kind of far-right extremism for example um I've had colleagues uh appearing in um kind of TV history shows so Drew Gray for example works on um, Victorian social history and the history of crime. And he's appeared on um, TV shows talking about those kinds of issues. So um, there's lots of various ways that we like to get our work out there. It's not just through uh, dusty academic books. <laughs> uh,
0: bestsellers. Is anybody um, studying very closely then Northampton or Northamptonshire, the county and its, you know, its history?
1: We get a lot of interest in in local history. Um, So, I mean, quite a few of our PhD students are doing work with uh, a local focus. So, for example, I've got a PhD student, um, Katrina, who is currently working on the boot and shoe trade and thinking about um, particularly women involved in the boot and shoe trade who got involved in philanthropy and kind of good works in the town and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we get a lot of interest uh, in, in kind of local history. And often when we uh, kind of, you know, engage with uh, people from outside the university, it's local history that they want to hear about. Really interesting. Now, I, you know,
0: we have to read a lot in our job, don't we? So the way I relax, at last thing at night till I drop off, is either read thrillers, detective thrillers, Or um, historical fiction, so you know books like um, uh, Ken Follett, and you know some really interesting stuff going right back to the nine hundreds, and telling the story as fiction but relating it to real life events. Uh, You know, are you a fan yourself of those kind of ways to help us understand the past without necessarily, you know, academic uh, reading?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, it's strange because although I work on the 18th century, um, pro- when I read for pleasure, I tend to read 20th century history. So um, uh, I-, I recently read um, uh, the-, the Right Stuff, the book about the, uh, the space race, for example, in the 1950s and 60s, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I-, I-, I certainly read history for pleasure as well.
0: Good. But, you you know, they are they are informative, aren't they? I think they do. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, and very well researched. And um, I mean, historians are, are often involved in perhaps advising film productions and uh, drama productions, for example. And, um, you know, these don't always have to be hundred percent accurate in terms of uh, facts and period details. But I think what's important is that they have to be kind of true to the period that they're representing and, to, you know, to explore those kinds of ideas. Well, if anybody um, wants to, you know, and doesn't know Ken Follett, do
0: have a look. Uh, one of my favourites, they're great big books, a thousand pages. I think the first one I got into was The Pillars of the Earth, which was set in the 11th or 12th century. And it's all about building a big cathedral. But he's done and he does trilogies. And he's done some um, The World Without End, I think, bringing it right up to, oh, gosh, to Khrushchev and uh, Kennedy in the 60s. So really good, great storytelling, but actually very interesting to understand you know, what the world has yeah. been through. Now, let's just change tack a little bit, which is um, uh, you. How did you get to where you are in your career? And you know, how did you get to be interest, so interested in the 18th century?
1: Well I mean I I was always interested in history so you know when I was at school it was definitely my favourite subject so I I studied it at university and to be honest um, I loved it so much at university that I didn't want to leave and I never have (laughs) so you know I'm still here all those all those years later but um, yeah I mean I I was always interested in kind of British history British political history and um, when I was doing my PhD at Manchester University, I, I had a wonderful supervisor who was interested in 18th-century politics, and he—he, uh, he, uh, oh, I got the bug. Basically, I got interested uh, in what he was doing. The, the other thing that really got me into 18th-century history was Blackadder. So uh, Blackadder the uh, Third is an is an absolute favourite of mine. Um, you know, the Dunny in the World by-election is is uh, an important thing for me. That's where I got my idea for my dissertation from, and I've been working on kind of political culture and elections ever since. Fantastic. Where did you do your undergraduate degree? First degree. So I went to York, first of all, uh, then I went to Manchester, mm-hmm. and then I came to Northampton and I've been at Northampton since 2004. OK, and obviously um, enjoying
0: it and doing some great work. So the work that the department does then, um, we've talked a little bit about you know, what they're studying um that you're getting into news a lot of different areas that perhaps you wouldn't normally think that um, you know historians would move into in terms of impacts and i know we're all judged as universities by the research uh, what is it ref gosh i can't remember there's something research excellence research framework. excellence framework that's right. right so so what you know how would you or how are you judged in terms of impacts for the research center
1: Yeah, so um, what we try to do is we try to do research that has a a kind of a a real impact in the world. And that's one of the things that we get measured on as universities. And that's something that we've we've done pretty successfully. So, I mean, I've already mentioned the work that Paul does around um, kind of far right extremism. Mm -hmm. So as well as kind of, you know, appearing in the news and uh, adding to the news agenda. um, He also, um, you know, provides training, for example for police services, he's, he's, he's been an expert witness in, in uh, court cases involving extremists and things like that. So there's all sorts of kind of direct ways we get involved. We also really like to get involved in the kind of heritage sector, and um, the world of museums. So uh, my colleague, Jim Beach, who works on the history of the First World War, he recently um, had a research grant that enabled him to do some work with a Military Intelligence Museum. So working on developing displays there, working with volunteers, um, setting up events and all those kinds of things. So there's all sorts of ways that we like to uh, use our historical expertise, but use it to uh, engage with the public.
0: Well, I'm I'm very glad to report to our listeners then that history is very much alive. Um, so here's another kind of slightly tongue-in-cheek question, but actually it has
1: um, it's very serious. So what is the future of history? Well, um, the, the, the the thing is, uh, they'll never stop being history. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there will always be the past. in fact, you know, as time goes forward, there's even more past to study. <laughs> um, the thing about um, history is, as as we kind of move forward, um, more areas become history. So, I mean, when I was studying, not that many people studied 20th century history, for example, when I was starting out. But now that's the big boom area. You know, Mm -hmm. people are um, writing histories of, I don't know, the the 1990s. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so Britpop and the Spice Girls, you know, that that, that's a a perfectly legitimate thing to write a history book about now because that's the past. Um, So, you know, as we move forward, kind of new areas are kind of opening up for research. Yeah I
0: guess so are there fashionable themes then so you're saying that the, you know recent history because the world is changing so fast and so rapidly right i guess studying what happened 10 years ago is, is now you know really important because it's so different maybe 100 years ago 10 years before wasn't so different
1: Yeah, that's true. But it's also the case that, you know, uh, older periods of history, they kind of move forward as well, as kind of new ideas and approaches come into vogue. So I mean, uh, the area that I work on um, the 18th century, um, an approach that is particularly popular at the moment, is what we call material culture. So historians uh, traditionally uh, use paper Yeah, so we we read things, um, we look at images, we use texts and numbers and things like that. Um, But increasingly, historians are getting interested in thinking about objects and thinking about what objects can tell us about the past. Mm. So, I mean, for a long time, that was left to archaeologists and curators and art historians. But historians now are trying to think about objects as historical sources, as a way to get us thinking about the past. So I'm particularly interested in shoes, for example, Mm -hmm. which is a highly appropriate thing to be interested in in Northampton. Um, And uh, the way that I study 18th century shoes isn't just by reading books about them Um, I go to museums and I handle shoes I pick up old 18th century shoes very carefully of course wearing gloves so as not to damage them and I try to think about what that shoe tells me about the person who wore it um, their social class the period that they lived in all those kinds of things so you can use kind of different types of objects to ask different questions about the past.
0: And just to put into context, then, so the 18th century is the eight, 1700s, right? Now, That's I, right, I yeah. wasn't good at history at school. I, I now realise its importance. But um, <laughs> just, just you know, what was happening? Was it the Edwardian or the Georgian? Or, you know, what was the period and, and any major things in the 18th century that we should perhaps just think about?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, it's the age of the Georgians. OK, so uh, we had... Uh, George's one, two, and three in the 18th century, and then uh, George IV uh, at the beginning of the 19th century. The thing about 18th century history is we tend to claim a bit of other centuries too. Uh, we often talk about the long 18th century, which starts around about 1680 and ends round about sort of 1830-odd with the Reform Act. So it's quite a broad period, and uh, lots of fascinating things happened. It's the the age of uh, the Enlightenment, new ideas about the world, the age of the Industrial Revolution, Mm. so new technologies, um, and also a time of uh, kind of new political ideas as well. So ideas about... Um, representation uh, the great revolutions in france and america and also although britain didn't have a revolution um you know, the rise of radical thought and interest in popular political rights in britain as well so it's a really vibrant period of history when lots of really fascinating things are happening
0: gosh yes just some of the things you mentioned there i've got it i've got tickets to see with my family les miserables and i oh, would good. imagine right that's right in the middle of that uh, period yeah it's said.
1: Is that the is that the French Revolution? Yep, French I, Revolution I, I, yeah, French
0: Revolution. I don't know, lame <laughs> Yeah, no French. It is the French Revolution. So uh, we're looking forward to that. No, you're absolutely right. Very very interesting period. Um, well, look, it's fascinating, Matthew. could talk with you all day about it. If anybody wants to know more about you know the department, its work, you etc. What uh, where would you point them in terms of a contact details?
1: Yeah, that's fine. Well, if you Google um, you know history at Northampton University or research at history at Northampton University, um, you'll find our web page and there are contact details on there. But yeah, you're very welcome to drop me a line by email. Uh, so Matthew McCormack at northampton.ac.uk.
0: Excellent. Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time and trouble to come on the show. No problem. Um, really very interesting. And I'm sure our listeners will have uh, learned something. And yes, we must actually, with so many things going on in this world, we there are things we must never forget. The Holocaust is definitely one of them. Um, really grateful for your insight so keep up the good work keep safe and enjoy the summer thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed that interview there are plenty more here on the podcast platform and of course you can always listen on uh, live on tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m on n live radio 106.9 fm or digitally via nliveradio.com um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station please do look at nliveradio.com And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.